Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And we have a special guest with us here on the State of the Saints podcast from NewOrleansSaints.com. We have John DeShazer. What's going on, JD? Nothing much, man. We're um, riding out a little weather here in New Orleans, but other than that, everything's good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked a little bit off air. You know, uh, my prayers go out to everybody, you know, in the path of uh, Hurricane Zeta. And uh, make sure that y'all are careful out there, J.D., no doubt about that. Yeah, man, we are, uh, we're all kind of locked down. We're all preparing for it. You know, you, yeah, around here, I, I don't want to say you get immune to it, but, mm. you know, you almost get a feeling where, you know, if it ain't a Cat 5, you almost feel a, a sigh of relief. Right. You know, we're, we're not quite out the woods yet, so hopefully uh, everybody will – you know, if there are any kind of losses, you know, hopefully it's just property stuff, stuff that can be replaced. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, me being from New Orleans, you know, I left back in 05 due to Hurricane Katrina. Um, I was a freshman going to Dillard University at the time. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I understand about the hurricane, especially also being out here in Myrtle Beach. So, uh, you know, if you are in a path in that in that area, you know, make sure that you're listening to the authorities and make sure that, you you know, Get out of the way. And like yeah. you said, JD, things <laughs> things can be replaced, you know. But you know, I mean, we gotta be uh we gotta understand that things can be replaced, but there's only one you, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, so JD, we're gonna talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints. Uh the Saints are four and two, but the Who That Nation, they would say that they don't feel like a four and two team. You know, there's a lot of uh issues that uh that the Saints have been dealing with over the past couple weeks especially in the secondary. Uh, J.D., what's going on with the secondary? Uh, you look at some of these guys that they have, seasoned veterans, some of the guys that have been there for X amount of time, more than two to three years, and they're still having these blown coverages. Uh, what, what's going on with the secondary? Well, T.J., I, w- I would tell you that I don't think it's it's physical. I think it's mental. I think it's uh, – and, and you hear them, and when I say mental, you know, you hear them continue to say it's communication issues. Well, that's the only explanation you have for guys running as wide open as you see in the same secondary from time to time. Um, you can't have that kind of, you know, blown assignments, especially, as you mentioned, with, with veteran players. When you got, even though Malcolm Jenkins is new again to this team, but he's an NFL veteran. You got Marshawn Lattimore, who's been back there. You got Marcus Williams, who's been back there. You got Jack Rabbit Jenkins, who was back there for the last five games of last season. So he should be a little bit more accustomed. You got... You know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was there last year. You got P.J. Williams. You got Patrick Robinson. All these guys have played in the Saints secondary last year, except for Malcolm Jenkins. So you shouldn't have the busted coverages that they have. I think uh, Sean Payton might have said it best this week when somebody asked him if he was, you know, real concerned or if he was, you know, not concerned. And he said, you know, I'm leaning a whole lot more toward real concern because, again, we're we five – six games into the season right. and you're still seeing busted coverages and and that shouldn't be i mean every you know if you get one every two three games you know you say okay you chalk it up but we're talking probably at least a busted coverage a game at least yeah. one and, and maybe more and and that's just look man you that that takes away from a whole lot of good work that you do that one play yeah. <laughs> you know they have, absolutely you know one touchdown last week uh, 74 yards against carolina Carolina had like 280 yards for the game. Yep. 74 of them came on that play. So yep. that's the one that, you know, kind of skews things and, and makes it look like it, it just wasn't a good game defensively. Yeah. I mean, you look at this game, J.D., this is this is insane. Like, you would think that 
like you said, the Saints only uh, gave up uh, 280 uh, total yards. You look at the the first down rate, eighty five percent. You look at <laughs> you look at over a hundred yards in a, in a first half between the running backs. You look at all of these different things. You would think that if if you were like watching a game, you would think it would be a blowout, like in, in comparison. But I feel like as long as the defense is going to have these type of struggles, you know, you're going to be in those games where you win one, you lose one, you win one, you lose one. And the offense can't really take a day off. I mean, if the offense struggles, then it's going to be a problem. You know, it's, and you have these teams coming, you know, into town. You know, you got the Kansas City Chiefs coming up. You got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up. These teams can expose you. And these teams have some uh, some good defenses. So I, I want to um, ask you about this, you know, with the Chicago Bears. I mean, the red zone, I think they're number one uh, in the NFL in defensive red zone, you know, so – there's a lot of things that, that the Saints have to uh, clean up in the, in the secondary. One thing is uh, Marcus Williams. I think we we seen Marcus Williams. He's going. I mean, he's in his fourth season in a Saints uniform. Uh, it seems like he's been dealing with you know these blown coverages. He's I mean he's been giving up big plays, holding calls. Why don't the Saints decide to use DJ Swearinger more? Why is week after week he's a he's a healthy scratch? Well, when you when you go by what you see in practice, this is still your best option to be Marcus, um, and you hope, you know that. You, and I'm and I'm guessing that the coverages that you see busted in games aren't coverages that you see him busted in practice. Right. You know, if he was busting them in both places, then you say, okay, we got to get, we got to, we got to do something about this. Right. If it's just one place, then you say, okay, we can fix it in practice because that you know that's where you feel like you can fix it. Uh, if a guy isn't making tackles in game days. And he's doing all the proper things in practice. You say, okay, well, when he gets to the game, we feel like we'll be able to get that get that rectified. Right. And unfortunately, you know, Marcus being a veteran, you know, and and Malcolm being a veteran, and some of the other things, you know, you just aren't seeing you you aren't seeing it translate to the games like it should. Right. You know, PJ and uh, excuse me, P Rob, P Rob against against the Chargers turned the receiver loose. He was clearly expecting mm-hmm. help deep. Right. You know, when he turned him loose, he looked deep like, okay, he's yours now. And there was right. nobody behind him yep. and he couldn't recover. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing where, you know, you look and saying, okay, we practice this stuff all the time. We talk about it all the time. We look at it on film all the time. And when the time comes in the game, we ain't ready for it. Right. Things, you know, if I, I guarantee you this, you know, another thing, you know, Coach Payton always says this, you know, you got to evaluate what you're doing. You got to evaluate who's doing it and what you're asking and, and who you're asking to do it. Right. So right. if who you're asking to do it isn't doing it the way you want them to do it, then you get somebody new to do it. Yep. Yes. Yeah, speaking of which, JD, uh, you, you talked about uh, getting somebody new. What is it about the New Orleans Saints? I, I mean, I, I'm seeing a little bit of a trend here. You see guys leave this team. The Saints may cut these guys, release them, or what have you. And then, you know, a couple games into the season, they bring these guys right back. Uh, and also some of the young talent that they actually have on this team. One one name always comes up is, is the young kid, Key Washington Jr. And I, I, I'm thinking to myself, J.D., would we have known how good Marquez Calloway is in game time if it wasn't for Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas being down? So why doesn't this team actually try a little bit more uh, using some of this young talent? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it, but if Key Washington goes out there and, and, and blows coverage, 
I mean, is it something that we haven't seen before? I mean, they've been blowing coverage all season. So why don't they try to utilize some of these younger players? Yeah, but but the thing about that is, and and it makes sense until you look at it from this standpoint, okay, you know, how do you reduce the likelihood of busting the coverage? Right. And you do that with, you know, you hope you hope to do that with your veteran guys. <laughs> so, you know, they, they see Keith out there in practice. They know what he can do. So how do you reduce your risk if you're the same? How do you keep people in front of you and make them, you know, 75 yards in 12 plays and maybe you can get them to get make a penalty or maybe you can, you know, force a turnover or maybe, you know, something can happen to where you can get them to force a field goal. You know, what's the likelihood of doing that? Is the likelihood of doing that higher with guys who, who are supposed to know what they're doing or with a rookie guy that, that you know, you, you're just not quite sure how he's going to handle the circumstances. So I guess you look at it from that standpoint. Um, would we have known about Marquez? I don't know because, you know, the fact of the matter is he was behind, you know, Mike Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, and probably Deontay, Deontay Harris to a, to a degree. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you get him in a situation where Emmanuel Sanders is out because of COVID-19. Michael Thomas is out because of injury. Now Traquan Smith, you know, goes up to your quote-unquote number one receiver. And Deontay probably slides in at the three because Deontay is still so valuable as a returner. So you don't want necessarily – you can't have him out there running at the number two receiver and getting all those reps and burning him up so, you know, he can't really function the way you want him to as a returner. But Marquez Callaway, you know, he showed exactly why they kept him. He showed exactly why he's been active. Uh, you keep him active because he can play some special teams – but he is a receiver. And so when you get deeper into the game and he learns a little bit more about what you want out of him offensively, now all of a sudden you get him out there and it was against the Chargers. He showed the flashes as a returner. He looks like he's got some real potential as a returner. And fortunately for the Saints, you know, they got him. Because if he if he were to get to the streets now, he would never get back into Orleans. Yeah. I mean, somebody would pick him up <laughs> and he would and he would start. He would he would begin as somebody's returner. And he probably wind up as the number two receiver or so before long. He looks like he's got that kind of potential. Yeah. So, you know, he's the guy who took advantage of the injury situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Some no, guys no. don't rise up and take advantage of that situation the way he did. Uh, but he jumped in, and now he's in a position where, you know, if you're the Saints, obviously he's going to be active. You know, he won't be returning as long as Deontay Harris is, is, is back there. Right. But he will be in that receiver rota rotation. He'll right. still be contributing on special teams. But he's shown now that – he can be valuable as a really valuable as a receiver. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, eight catches, 75 yards. And just some of the routes that he was running, J.D., I mean, you have to be impressed. I mean, for a guy to be that young and smart enough to be able to, you know, look at uh, some of those zone plays and get into the soft spots of those zones, I mean, that that's that's pretty incredible for a, a young kid, you know, that just coming into the league. And it just shows you how deep this uh, draft was at wide receiver. I mean, we heard that all the time in the offseason, right? All of these uh, type of uh, wide receivers. Uh, we look at uh, Claypool out there in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, we look at some of these other young wide receivers around the league. And Marquez was undrafted. So that's a testament of how good this wide receiver corp was uh, coming into the this NFL season in 2020. Uh, but uh, staying on the secondary, uh, there's some guys that's still out there uh, that uh, the who that nation like to mention. One name is Earl Thomas. Uh, Earl Thomas, of course, we know what type of talent he possessed. We know that he's an all pro. We know all the things that he did out there in Seattle and um, some of the things he did in, in a Baltimore uniform. 
uh, looking at the New Orleans Saints and looking at the timeline of Drew Brees, I mean, I think we all can agree this may be his last year. I mean, no more than two years. So do you think that because of the sense of urgency, the Saints may want to take a look at a player like Earl Thomas and also uh, a player like that, that played for the Saints that got recently cut by the Panthers, Eli Apple? You know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they looked at at at, at both. Um, have a little bit of technical difficulties. Okay. Pink. Are, yeah. You can hear yeah, me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, Eli might be the more logical of the two because he's already been in the system. He already knows what they want. And, and there were some points, you know, last year, where and I think the year before where Eli actually played pretty well. I know Saints fans and and most of us, you know, you, you remember the low points a whole lot more than you remember <laughs> the high points. You know, that's just life. That's the way it is. Right. But I thought he had some moments, you know, last year and the year before where he looked pretty good. And you wouldn't be asking him to hold down the same responsibilities as a starting corner. You could have him coming in as a nickel or a dime. And that way, you know, you won't have him covering a number one receiver or a number two receiver probably. So, you know, maybe he functions better in that role for the Saints. As far as Earl Thomas, hey, that one that one bewilders me because I look at it and say, okay, we know the talent Earl Thomas is. And we know he's had a little, you know, some stuff off the field. But, I mean, you know, look, that ain't stopping nobody in the NFL from signing somebody, okay? Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> you look and say, okay, what's, what's going on with Earl Thomas that nobody will sign him? And so now you got to try to dig deeper into it and maybe look at the film and say, okay, is Earl Thomas what he was three years ago? Is Earl Thomas freelancing a little bit too much? Is Earl Thomas, you know, playing at the same level? And 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 does Earl Thomas's talent level match the salary demands that he probably has right now? Because, you know, now granted, you know, Earl Thomas on the street right now, so maybe any salary is good enough for him. But, you know, still you got to you got to factor in you know, what you've seen on film and, and you wonder, okay, what's going on with Earl Thomas that, you know, I know he was, he was scheduled to, I, I think, take a visit somewhere and they canceled it. Yeah. It, the Texans, the Texans. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, the te- yeah, just, and the Texans, you know, the Texans ain't, ain't, ain't worth bragging about to nobody. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Maybe he knew like, that JD. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 the, and the word was that, you know, players in the locker room were saying, we don't want him. Mm. That, that, that bothers you. That scares you. Mm. So, you know, you got to get him in. You got to take a look at him physically, but you also got to talk to him to find out what, what what's going on. And you, and you hope to be able to talk to some people from Baltimore mm. or some people, you know, maybe some of those guys from Tex- from the Texans and say, okay, what's, what's, what did you guys not like about Earl Thomas? But again, he's one of those guys who's been out there for a while. So now you start to wonder, and, and, and it could be completely and totally bogus why he's out there. Right. But still, you know, you wonder, and, and and this is the paranoia that goes around with any league like the NFL. You say, okay, if nobody else wants him, why should I want him? And, and what and what am I missing that everybody else, you know, sees? So that's the thing that you got to look for. It's like Bruce Arian said about uh, Antonio Brown, which is, you know, since we're talking about uh, problem players. <laughs> <laughs> but if he does anything... You know, we gonna cut him. I, it's just that simple. I think with the like JD, if the Saints had a young quarterback, a young guy coming fresh out of college, then I I wouldn't recommend this. But this, like I said, this, this is like Drew Brees' last year. Maybe another. He probably had like one more year after this before he decides to hang it up. And I'm 
I'm questioning the sense of urgency that I'm seeing from this team, JD. You know, I mean, yeah, you but- don't know how many times that you're going to see Drew Brees run out of that tunnel. So I, yeah. I look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how aggressive they have been, and it seems like they're going for it. I'm just wondering why am I not seeing that same type of energy from the New Orleans Saints? Like, throw something against the wall and you know, see that if it sticks. I mean, you have enough veteran leadership inside of that locker room to control some of those guys. And if they, they can't, then just get rid of them. It's just as simple as that. But I think they need to try something, something in that secondary, you know, to try to, you know, I mean, inject some type of life inside of there. I got one more question for you about this secondary. Aaron Glenn uh, did an interview on WWL. And one thing that he talked about, he talked about uh, a lot of these young players uh, being attached to social media, looking at what some of the uh, the people are saying about them, you know, being critical of uh, some of the play. Do you think with the lack of uh, crowd participation in the Superdome, lack of crowd participation inside some of these stadiums around the league, do you think that is playing a huge factor? Is that a bigger deal than we're giving it credit for? Do you think they need that type of energy uh, in order for them to perform at that level uh, they, they've been performing at for the last couple of years? Well, I, I mean, I, I think there's something to that. I, I do believe that, you know, fan participation, you know, it can it can be underrated. Um, it can give you it can give players a lot of juice. Um, we've seen the momentum that happens when, you know, you make a big play, the fans go crazy, and all of a sudden the defense or the offense is real juiced. Uh, and if you're able to get a turnover or a touchdown, now suddenly it, it's it's a whole lot different. I mean, you can just feel the the vibe and the emotions. Now, that said, these dudes get paid to do this. So you better you better bring your own juice, you know, because that's the, that's the way it is because the, the dude on the other side playing against you, he get paid too, and he mm-hmm. want to earn his money. He want to provide for his family, and he want to buy, be able to buy the things that he he wants to buy. Yeah. So he's going to bring his own juice. So you better get used to it from from that standpoint. Yeah. And if I can, if I can double back on on um, on AB in Tampa and, and Gronk on Tampa, yeah. you know, those dudes, fortunately for them, had the best and biggest advocate on earth. They had Tom Brady saying, "Bring him <laughs> in, bring him in." And, and and somebody's gonna somebody's gonna have to advocate for Earl Thomas. Now I don't know yeah. who knows him well. I don't know if if you know he's he's made those kinds of friends. I know, mm-hmm. you know, I again that, that Ravens thing, the way he ended up leaving the Ravens really, really kind of kind of set wrong because you know he he he, he got into an argument with a teammate over something uh that happened on the field, and I think it was during training camp and, and had to come back and admit he was wrong and then and then he posted on social media and it's like, okay, this is what the deal was. Yeah. You know, he, he broke about 15 rules. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the kind of thing, again, you know, a team that's looking to bring him in says, okay, do you know, is, is that who Earl Thomas is right. or is he the guy from Seattle? Or maybe he was the guy in Seattle that he's the guy now, but Seattle was so good that they could tolerate it. So right. again, you know, you just got to look at, at what the chemistry issue is. But I, I can guarantee you this. I, I promise you this. If there's a rock to kick over, to, to check a dude out, the Saints are gonna kick that rock over and see what it's about. Yeah. You know, they might not do it, they might not do it, you know, out loud. You know, like some teams will say, yo, we're gonna bring a dude in, or you know, we're looking at a dude. But they do their due diligence, and that's how they end up, you know. I think a couple of years ago they brought in, you know, first Des Bryant and then Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Um, you know, so they you know, they're gonna they're gonna kick over rocks and see who's out there and yeah. see who's able to help. 
Yeah, uh, I, I just look at somebody like Earl Thomas. I mean, like I said, in a, in a normal season, if you didn't have a 41-year-old quarterback uh, at the twilight of his career, then I would be like, no. But I just think that the Saints need to uh, get a little bit more aggressive in, in that regard. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of which, uh, you know, uh, issues in the locker room, let's talk about Michael Thomas for a second. I mean, <laughs> for the last couple of weeks, he, he finds himself uh, – in the news, uh, talking about uh, the, the fight that he had with C.J. Garner-Johnson at practice. Uh, there was some trade rumors going on. You know, uh, Sean Payton uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, was messing with the media, you know, for the last couple of weeks, you know, uh, putting his, uh, hilarious memes about it, you know, talking about how, you know, this, there's no validity behind this. But what, um, Michael Thomas, um, do you think at any particular time, I, I can't believe I'm asking this question to you, but do you think at any time the Saints thought about possibly trading Michael Thomas? I don't think so. I, I, I would I would I would say ninety nine point nine 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 percent no. But <laughs> but I also have to say that anything's possible. I mean, this mm. this the pro, this the pro sports man. If, right. if somebody's looking at Michael Thomas and somebody offers you something that's crazy, you at least got to listen. Right. You, know, you can't just say, you know, no, you at least got to consider it and say, well, you know, hey, no, we ain't going to do it. But, man, that's a bad, mighty nice package. So mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, the Saints will actively or have been actively shopping him. Uh, you don't sign a dude to the contract you sign him to and then say, OK, we want to get rid of him. Now, that said, you know, the the not suspension, I guess fine and deactivation mm-hmm. uh, from the Rams game. You know that that's one of those things that 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 stands out and says, okay, you know, he, here's a situation that they felt like they needed to handle, and and the fact of the matter is, TJ, let, let's be honest here, it could have been handled quietly in house and nobody never would have known, right? Uh, but it was one of those things where when you announce we're deactivating them and it's a disciplinary issue, then now that's that's somewhat of a message. That's right. Okay, you did something. It wasn't cool. We're gonna put it out there just to let you know that it wasn't cool, but it could have been, it could have been something that, that didn't have to get out. So, you know, there had to be some dissatisfaction there and hopefully, you know, this thing ain't going to go sideways and they'll right. get, you know, get back in harmony. I think it will, because look, I, I don't know how many NFL teams are structured to where Michael Thomas would be a dude who would catch 149 passes. But we know the face of one. And I don't care who's back there taking snaps. You know, he's good for 120, 130 probably because of the way this offense is and because of the way he gets open. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of those things where you hope and pray that, you know, both sides, you know, whatever it is. And, and I think it, I think it's gone past because you hadn't heard anything else. Uh, and, and look, this is the NFL. In a locker room, you know, not everybody's going to be, you know, they ain't going to be hugged up and singing Kumbaya. Yeah, everybody, yeah, exactly. everybody ain't going to like everybody all the time. Right. That's just a fact. But what they do like and respect is you doing your job. Right. And few people in the NFL do their job as well as he does his job. Yeah. So that's one of those things where unless he's just out doing something that's, you know, jail worthy, then they're <laughs> probably going to be okay with it because, you know, he's a dude who produces every day. Yeah. Every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whenever they're playing the game, yeah. he produces when he's healthy. So that's one of those things where, you know, you live with some uh, some some eccentric behavior, I guess, yeah, if you yeah. got that. Yeah, they always say, you know, uh, 
if if your your production you know outweighs the the problem or the headache, then most likely the team is going to keep you. You know, I think about uh, I, I, <laughs> I think about this JD. I think about I think about uh, back in the day with the uh, the New York Giants, and they talk about Lawrence Taylor. And they said Lawrence Taylor would <laughs> would be in a film room in the back, you know, sleep because he was all out all night, <laughs> and uh, Bill Belichick. Would even try to wake him up at all, you know. He and he went to Bill Parcells and asked him. He was like, "Well, Lawrence Taylor was sleeping in, in a in a film study." He said, "Did you wake him up?" He's like, "No." He said, "Good," you know, like <laughs> like because Lawrence, you know, on Sunday Lawrence Taylor was gonna ball out. I mean, this is a guy that's an MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, unstoppable force. So, like you said, if the production outweighs the headache, the team is gonna choose that production over that headache uh, nine times out of ten. And we all know that Michael Thomas does his job uh, pretty well. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, speaking of doing your job, I, 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 when you look at the Saints in October, I mean, <laughs> I mean to say they're doing their job in October is an understatement. Fifteen consecutive games they won in October. Uh, I think, uh, what dating back to like 2010 or something like that. Uh, Seventeen consecutive home games won in the month of October. What makes this team so special in the month of October? And what does that say about the coaching staff of the New Orleans Saints over the past decade? Well, I think the biggest thing is October is like the second quarter of the season. So you get those first four games out, out of the way. And and by then, I think you find a good rhythm and a good identity of, of who you are and what you do well. Right. And the Saints, and they start grooving with it. Um, you know, when you've had, you know, over the, all these years you've had, you know, whether it's you know, Drew Brees or, or Michael Thomas or Jimmy Graham or whether it's, you know, whether it's John Vilmore or Cam Jordan or, or Demario Davis, guys find that rhythm in October because it's the second quarter of the season. And like I said, you know, not, not that the first four games don't count, but right. you really get into, you know, okay, this is what we really do well. You know, this is what we really do well on offense and defense and special teams. And I think they just – figure out how to groove. And, and, a, and another thing with the Saints, especially this season is, and it sounds simple until until you actually try to apply it, but, you know, you do what's necessary to win the game that day. Right. And, and I don't know what that might be. Maybe that's, maybe that's running it 42 times like they did against Detroit. Right. Or maybe that's throwing it 40 times like they almost did against, against Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's, you know, giving up 350 yards, but you know, getting a stop right at the end against, you know, the Chargers or, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever it takes to win that day, you know, you, you come out of, out of it battered and bruised, but you get that W and you keep it moving because right. you know, at the end of the day, what folks are going to remember, especially if you win it all, is that you won it all. They ain't going to go back yep. and say, you know, well, man, in week three, boy, Justin Herbert really tore the Saints up. They ain't going to be worried about that. <laughs> they ain't going to be worried about what happened in the Super Bowl. And so, right. you know, that's what you you got to figure out how to win that day. And they, they've been able to do that this season so far. Now, it's going to get harder, man, because you're talking about the Bears. And you're talking about, you know, Tampa Bay. Mm. And you're talking about, you know, San Francisco. And you're yes. talking about, you know, Kansas City. Ooh. You're talking about playing at Carolina. You're talking about playing the Falcons twice. And I don't care how bad the Falcons are. You know they're going to play the Saints hard. Yep. Yep. You know they're going to play them hard. Yep. So you're talking about all those obstacles that are going to be in the way. So it won't get easier. So, you know, what they've discovered in October, they got to see if they can replicate that thing in November and December because now all of a sudden you got a real challenger for the division championship in Tampa Bay. You know, yep. they beat Tampa Bay here and you felt like, okay, well, maybe, 
you know, all that hype over Brady and all the rest of those dudes. It might be a little, might be a little premature. But right. Tampa Bay has found a groove. Yeah, <laughs> they have found a groove, and and, and the Saints gonna have to match that groove. And now they add Antonio Brown. If you add Antonio Brown to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans mm-hmm. and Gronk, now you put those four dudes on the field together, and if you're the Saints, you can you gonna have to pick some poison. I, you know, you got to get the, you got to get to Brady quick because. Yeah. If you're talking about matching up against those four dudes, somebody's gonna get loose if you don't get there quick. That's yeah. that's just the nature of the beast. Somebody's gonna get loose. And that ain't a team that you can be busting coverages against the way Brady's rolling right now. So yeah. that that you know, they they've been really good in October. Uh they figure out a groove and they're gonna have to extend that thing because man, it it it, it ain't gonna get easier here at all. Yeah. Yeah, one person that uh that, that was linked to the Saints, or maybe it was just an article that can kind of help them get to Tom Brady with JJ Watt. Do you think the Saints need to think about getting the season veteran? I mean, he's out there in Houston, and even the biggest Houston Texan fan probably want JJ Watt to lead their team so he could possibly get a chance at a championship. So, do would you look at a guy like JJ Watt? You know, um, he still has a little bit left in the tank. He may not be the same player he was a couple years ago, but uh, do you think that he would help the Saints uh, with their pass rush issues? When I look at J.J. Watt, you know, I don't know if it's because the NBA call it. Uh, I don't know if they call it. Hell yeah. J.J. Watt. Because <laughs> J.J. Watt, still, you know, you're talking about J.J. Watt on a defense that doesn't have a lot of stuff around him. And so now, you know, opposing teams can concentrate on him mm-hmm. and ship him and double him and and, and make his production go down. The Saints looked at Jadavian Clowney because they're saying, you know what, if we can stack as many good players as possible, we're going to do it, especially on the defensive line, because you can't have too many pass rushes. You just can't. You know, the game is too hard now with receivers able to run free and DBs can't really put no hands on them. And so if you can't get to the quarterback, you can't stop a team. Well, if you add a Jadavian Clowney, if you add a J.J. Watt, you've got a healthy Marcus Davenport. And you got a Cam Jordan, and you got Trey Hendrickson playing the way he's playing. Mm-hmm. And you got Sheldon Rankin, and you got David Onyemata, and you got Malcolm Brown. Now all of a sudden, you got a defensive line that I believe any team in the league would envy. And yes. so now you, it's just a matter of rotating them in and out and saying, "Go get them, go sick them, right. go get them." So right. if that possibility is there, I'm sure the Saints are investigating it because you know that's one of those things that could be a kind of a game changer. I mean, we're yep. talking about a dude who was two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And, I mean, yep. in them years, he was as dominant a defensive lineman as as in, in that window as I have ever seen. Yeah. You know, that dude was all pro at defensive end and defensive tackle in the same year. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he, he can do it, and now he's just on a team where he doesn't have the players around him to help him do it to maybe right. keep some of the pressure off of him. Yeah. I mean, we all remember that sound bite, you know, when the Saints played uh, the Houston Texans and him say, you know, I don't want to hit Drew. I like Drew. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was that dominant in that game. I mean, this guy was a nightmare. So I def- definitely if you ask somebody like J.J., uh, it-, it would be uh, great for the New Orleans Saints pass rush. And the final question I want to ask you is about the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Saints got a big matchup going up against the Chicago Bears uh, at Soldier Field. Uh, it's going to be uh, pretty cold out there. It's going to be, I think, in in below uh, 40 degrees. Uh, we know the old myth about dome teams can't play in the cold or whatever. Uh, but uh, the Chicago Bears, they're coming off of a pretty embarrassing loss. Uh, 
we know Nick Foles was really critical of Matt Nagy, the head coach, about some of the play calling and decision making. Allen Robinson is in concussion protocol. Uh, but do you think the Saints uh, could possibly go out here and uh, go up against a team that has a really good defense and some linebackers that fly around the field? And like I said, really good at red zone defense. Do you think the Saints have what it takes to go out to Soldier Field and knock off those Bears? But when you say really good, you you should say that in all caps. That's a really good, <laughs> a really good thing. And, you know, now can they do it? Yeah, because you know w- what the Saints can do is they can chip away at that defense, um, and, and that's what you might have to do because you know Khalil Mack up front and Akeem Hicks up front. And Akeem Hicks obviously wants to kick tail against his former team, right. and you've got some you know you got a front seven that's really good, and you got some dudes in that secondary you know, that are really good. So, yeah. you know, you might have to chip away. I mean, they might not give you any big ones. And we've seen how they can get after the quarterback. But what you can do against them too is you can keep the ball away from them because you can make them one-dimensional. Um, they, they don't run the ball well. And we know the Saints have one of the best run defenses in the league. And right. you can put the ball in Nick Foles' hands. And the Saints have gotten Nick Foles twice. They beat him in the playoffs, <laughs> you know, in the playoffs with the Bears mm-hmm. when they won their first uh, excuse me, in the playoffs with Philly. Philly, yeah. When they won their first road playoff game. And they beat him in the playoffs uh, with Philly. Uh, um, with, um, in with, divisional um, round, yeah, yeah, 2018. In divisional round, yeah. So yeah. they've been able to get him a couple of times. And hopefully, you know, I, and I don't want to see Allen Robinson be out because of con- concussion protocol. Yeah, you never yeah, want to yeah. see that yeah. type of player. But if, but if he ain't playing, that obviously works in the Saints' favor because yeah. he's their number one, two, and three receiver probably. Outside yeah. of the kid, although the kid from Tulane looks like he got some tools, yeah, he yeah, looks he, like yeah. he can play Mooney. Mm-hmm. But if you can get Allen Robinson out of there, all of a sudden it makes them different. Can yeah. the Saints win it? You know, because the Saints are probably going to go in unless it's windy. Unless it's windy, they're going to go in with their game plan. They're going to throw it and they're going to run it like they always do. The wind is what will affect them more than anything. And a little bit of cold ain't going to bother them, but the wind will affect them. Yeah. But that's where you know, if 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 the Saints go in without Emmanuel Sanders, and that's a huge possibility. Yep. We don't know Michael Thomas's status. Mm-hmm. So, again, Traquan Smith and Jared Cook and yep. Alvin Kamara are going to have to carry the mail for this team. You hope Marquez, Quell, Marquez Calloway and Deontay Harris and Austin Carr, those guys are going to have to make some plays yep. because you were talking about a defense that they don't take a whole lot from anybody. I mean, that that's, yep. you know, that's a stiff defense, man. And so they a lot of times they can, they can win a 17 to 14 game. Yep. Because they hold, they can keep you to fourteen. They, they yep. they're that good. If yep. you can get the if you can get the plus twenty on, you got a real chance because their offense has trouble scoring. But when it comes to stopping people, I mean, even though they lost to the Rams, they were doing their job. They just couldn't get anything, any help at all from that offense. They didn't yep. get anything from that offense. So you gotta if you're the Saints, you gotta hope that you can hold that offense down the same way that the Rams did because it looks like that offense. Right now, it looks like it might be able to be had, but you got to get out there in the field and do it. And if you're the Bears, you're looking at the Saints defense saying, "Okay, everybody else get a deep one on them. We ought to be able to get a deep one too." I mean, that's the that's the hey, that's that's life in the NFL. That's when true. teams see what your weakness is, everybody is going to attack your weakness. So until the Saints show that they can stop that, everybody is going to attack that. Yep. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, I mean, that's that's the keys to victory, right? I mean, the film study. That the, that the coaches uh, see week to week. I mean, they just try to exploit some of your limitations. And 
right now. I mean, the secondary is the liability of the New Orleans Saints. I mean, you know, two things are going to happen. It's going to be a big player. It's going to be pass interference or a holding call. So teams are going to try to uh, do their best to try to exploit uh, that particular matchup and uh, try to make it work in their favor. Uh, but, J.D., uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, we look forward uh, to your commentary throughout the rest of the season. And um, I, I know you're headed out there to Chicago, so uh, be careful, you know, and, you know, safe travels to you. I appreciate it, TJ. We're going to bundle up, and, uh, and hopefully <laughs> we'll be talking soon again, hopefully after, you know, after a couple of more Saints wins. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Once again, this is the State of the Saints podcast. Mr. John DeShazer, thank you so much, sir. You're welcome. I appreciate it.